Welcome to Uplifting Impact. I couldn't even sleep last night. I was so excited by the fact that we have Miss Dawn Bennett Alexander on the line with us today. Miss Dawn Bennett Alexander has done amazing things throughout her career. And I have had the great fortune of being able to watch and really to try and aspire to the way that she has used her legal background with her education background and really blended that so beautifully in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. If I read her bio and all of the amazing things that she did, I would take the entire podcast and more because she has done so much in her career. But there's a couple of things that I want to make sure that I highlight. If you haven't already taken a chance to listen to her TED Talk, I would highly suggest that you go there. There's actually going to be a link in our show notes so that you can go and see it. But she has an amazing TED Talk that has had over 125,000 people view it called Practical Diversity. She has also received over 50 friends. I said 50 five zero awards and recognitions for her work. Her work is really grounded in the law and in her understanding and practice of the law and in the way that she consults in the law, but it's also really accessible on all levels. And one of the things that I found to be incredibly inspiring is that the whole idea of employment law was something that she helped us create. And so it is with great, great honor and so much respect that I welcome you to the show. Thanks for being here. Anna, I appreciate the invitation to be here. Absolutely. Your incredible work. <laughs> well, thank you so much for saying that. It really means a lot. I'm definitely putting that in my treasure chest. So thank you. For <laughs> I love your concept. <laughs> so one of the things that I really love about your work, and I think I find incredibly inspiring, is the fact that you like to come at this work with what you call the heart, that you really try and engage people from a place of their heart. So can you explain, like, what does that mean to you and how, and how does that look in practice? Yeah, it's a really, I'm glad you asked that question because um, most people think of it as just really being sort of a touchy-feely thing. And it's not that for me. It is truly, my life motto is it's all about love. And I have one tattoo and it's a heart on my chest. There are, if you look behind me, there are probably more than 50 hearts. So hearts are really important to me. But the, truth is, uh, yeah. but the truth is, if we don't deal, and you know this because you deal with this stuff all the time, everything we do comes from a place in us. Everything right. we do comes from a place in us. And if we are at a certain place in our hearts, everything will flow from that. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging is no different. If we know, people are asking now, you know, like, what can I do? If your heart's in the right place, I guarantee you what you need to do is going to become really clear to you. Because the truth is, most of us sort of go around the world that way anyway. It's just that what we've done, and this is a huge piece of what I do, what we've done is neglected to think about the kind of messages we take in and have since the moment we were born, actually before we were born, that end up in some way limiting that hard work that we do to certain people. And, 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 and now, you know, people are dealing with what can I do? The work is internal. 
And I, as a lawyer, I can tell you there's all sorts of stuff, you know, the, at one end of the scale, you got people who get sued for millions of dollars. On the other end of the scale, you've got people in your workplace who engage in activity towards certain groups of people, whether they understand that they're doing it or not, that makes it so you will end up with liability. But if those people were able to do the work of understanding where we actually are and what they're doing that would create that final outcome of litigation, then we wouldn't be there. So my work, when I say hard work, it's, you know, when people come to me, corporations come to me and say, what do we need to do? You have got, there's nothing you can do, only do from on top. You have got to deal with your employees and have them do the individual work of understanding what it is that we mean by diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and then move out from there. You know, I think that's such an important piece. And so many people that I consult with and that I I talk to want to skip it. They want to go right to like the policy. They want to go right to the programming. They want to go right to the professional development, but they don't want to spend this time unpacking the things that we bring into the workplace. You know what? The fact that you said unpacking is, is a really important term because we usually think of that as a sort of negative term, um, maybe like psychoanalysis or something, you know, you got to unpack all this luggage. My experience has been through the sessions that I do, through the classes that I have for my students, it is. it does not have to be this awful process. I guarantee you, I have never walked away from one of my sessions when people didn't feel like they were floating on air and so much empowered by what it is they've learned. I think they come in with the idea that it's going to be heavy. People are going to be accusing them. They have to be made to feel guilty. I don't deal with all of that. And like, why would I? Because it's not how I roll. It's not how I go through the world. And it's not how I think other people tend to go through the world. Are there people who do that? Yeah, there are people who are stuck in this and they want to stay stuck in this. But I don't think that's the way most of us are. So that's not the place I start in. And it should be, you know, most people walk in, Deanna, thinking that they are treating people like everybody else. Nobody would, you know, if I raised, I said, raise your hand if you discriminate against people, nobody would raise their hand. If I said, tell me that you are a racist, a word I rarely use, nobody would raise their hand. But yet we still have vastly different ways that we treat people. And most people don't realize what the impact of that is because they don't live to actually see it. That's why May 25th was such an important date because we all got to view it. So by the end of the day, just the Central Park video alone, Amy Cooper and her shenanigans in Central Park had been viewed by 40 million people. And then to see on top of that, what happened to George Floyd, people got that picture that black folk had been trying to tell them for 401 years, and they saw what we were talking about, and they were appalled by it. I get that they didn't understand it before, whether we think they should have or not. It's not what's in their world. It's like asking me to know what Vietnamese do. It's just not part of my world. And as much as we think we're together and we know each other, the truth is, in reality, how much do we really? Most of us live in homogeneous situations for living. Most of us have homogeneous recreational facilities, even if we know other people, you know, I go to school with people. One of the most um, 
startling things, I think, probably that that has happened in a classroom of mine was we were talking about race and, you know, how people feel about each other and stuff like that. And this I had a football player, a white football player in my class. And he said, you know, I've been playing peewee football since I was a little kid. And I have these are people I love. I love black people. They are my boys. Like I would die for them on the, 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 the field. And I said, he said, so, you know, like I don't even need this kind of stuff. And I said, oh, what are you doing the weekends? The lightning bolt went off. Yeah. Realized that as much as he thought he knew, as much as he thought these are people, these were his boys, he didn't do that voluntarily. He did that because he wanted to play peewee football and that there was a limitation. These people that he would have given his life for were not people that he chose to be with on the weekend. We're all like that to some extent. And that's why doing the hard work, figuring out where it is that we, how this comes into our life, specifically our life, not a corporation's life, not a department's life, but our life becomes such an important piece to do. So I have a question about that. So when you go to these, and you speak at all different kinds of organizations and and institutions, but when you go into some of these like more corporate environments, maybe a little bit more, you know, button up, this is new to us, we're a little bit, you know, when you go into those spaces, how do they respond? Like what's the normal response that you get when you say, let's do the heart work? Yeah, yeah. I love it. And and probably if I had to think of button up, there are a lot of different variations on the thing. <laughs> Don't call anybody's name. I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. <laughs> this is good. Um, National Security Agency. Okay. National Labor Relations Board. Very different from, and I did in a week, one on Monday, one on Friday of the spring break, the Motley Fool. Okay. The investment company. And and I said to, I'm honest with people. I know you see me up front, but you got me off a line. But y'all, I talk about love because that's the basis of everything to me. Are you sure I'm who you want? Yes. Yes. We've looked at everybody and you're the one we want. It's like, okay. And go just getting into the National Security Agency is enough to make you paranoid, right? So I'm absolutely right. And it's really interesting because my sister was with me. She lives in DC and she said, what are you going to talk about? So walking into the building and I said, I'm not quite sure yet. And she said, what are you talking about? You're going to talk to the national security agency. I have to feel the room yeah, because of exactly what you ask about, because if I prepared everything before I went and it turns out what I'm feeling from those people is, is not what they need, but I have prepared this. So we are going to do this. It would not give them what they needed, but I have a vast enough, um, treasure chest to draw <laughs> on that I can very quickly because I've been thinking about it and you know looking at some things but I have to know what it feels like in that room so for instance for the National Security Agency and for all of them that I talked about it was wonderful and it's funny because those agencies that are by nature sort of used to being very closed and you know because this is what they do like I couldn't even right. take a telephone in there right they ended up, you could see them relax because it was just, it was not quite what they thought it would be. And and we deal with each other. We deal with each other through the heart. That's why stories are so important, right? Right. I love it because you tell wonderful stories. People relate through stories. The other day, my daughter teaches uh, art for um, elementary school 
And she was showing me this setup because, of course, they have to teach online now, try to do an art for that. And there was a story. So she said, you know, try my new website that I had. And I clicked on a story. I sat there looking at this like third grader story, right? (laughs) Because it was really interesting. And we never lose that. Being able to deal with them through the stories and through the kind of fact patterns that we have ends up being something that draws everybody in. So it doesn't matter whether you're Motley, the Motley Fool which we think of, you know, these are much more relaxed people. Right. You know, they're on the cutting edge of investment stuff. Or you're at National Security Agency. Or you're a bunch of lawyers around the world. Right. Around the world. they We were in D.C., but they had broadcasted it all over the world. They were streaming it. We talked about family stuff. Okay. And they, I, in fact, when I got ready to leave, it was like, y'all, I have to catch a plane. Okay. I can't sleep. <laughs> hey, thought, wait, here she comes. <laughs> you would have thought like a room full of lawyers who are used to doing union labor stuff by, by the nature of which is a survey. No, everybody deals the same on this heart level when it really, when you do it the right way. That's why I love your energy, because I'm telling you, everybody can't deal with it in a way that makes people really feel it and make it feel like it's not an oppressive kind of thing. We're all in this together. And it's right. so important for people to feel like that, because that clears the space for you to be able to bring them what it is they need. Yeah. And if people are kind of already feeling like, oh, I have to be defensive or I have to, you're yeah. creating an environment that does not allow for them. To oh, open I don't up, do defensive. Right? I don't do this. Yeah. Who makes change in like that kind of setting? Nobody does. You just get yeah. more defensive. Okay. So I have an, another question for okay. you. And I, I hope that this is great for everybody who is listening, but I am so excited to hear what your thoughts are on this. So you go into an environment, all these amazing places that you just listed, you tell stories, you see it on their faces. There, There's this heart, you know, and there's this transformation that honestly, like I, I know as a speaker, like I can see it physically happening on the faces of, of people, even in the, in the Zoom verse, right? I can still see it here. Yeah. But one of the questions that I get asked all the time is, but how do you know you're successful? Yeah. How do yeah. you know, how do you measure your success yeah. when you're thinking about this diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging work? Yeah. I'll tell you two things. One, it is really important to me as a manifestation of truly understanding diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging, that you stop looking at the world the same way that other people do. For instance, yesterday, somebody asked me on a call, what are the arguments, the, 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 what's the case, business case for diversity? Don't ask me that question. Okay, don't ask me that question. If you ask me that question, you can ask me, but I'm telling you that when I hear that question from you, I understand that you're not in a place you need to be. The same thing goes for this. You don't evaluate it the same way. One of the things about equity is equality is treating everybody the same. Equity is treating everybody according to what their needs are. This is not like everybody else. And let me give you a very simple example of what I'm talking about. The other day, my college announced through the listserv that they were having uh, virtual diversity groups, right? Awesome. I'm on that committee. That was one of the things that I had suggested. So they sent out the message about it. So I sent back a note that said, yay just with some some exclamation marks, right? And other people did it too. Then the person who sent out the listserv said, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to 
send that out to everyone because we really don't use that for this. We don't use the listserv that way. So I wrote her back and said, I get what you're saying, but this isn't like everything else. If you're trying to create an environment in which people feel like they are, you're, you're trying to make this a part of the environment, seeing stuff like that on a listserv becomes an important thing to do. But it's distinguishable enough from other kinds of things that we understand, yeah, we let you put that up there for that, but we don't let you do that ordinarily. It's not treating it the very same way you treat everything else. And I feel the same way about the whatever the metrics are for evaluating what the chance, the difference has been. And again, remember, this is an internal work that they're doing, right? And I do the same thing in class. I mean, you're going to get a good grade because I'm not going to evaluate you. When I ask you to do a reflection paper, how am I going to say that's bullshit? <laughs> I mean, unless it tr- truly clearly is. But it's right. going to be based on, I'm sorry, should I have not said that? Yeah. You can it out. <laughs> you know, I, I can't evaluate that because everybody's journey is different. As long as I can make sure that you're really giving me truly reflective work. I'm okay with that. And all of them are not going to be the same. So I have actually had, for instance, I did work for a little tiny college in Connecticut. Okay. Tiny little college. It was so tiny that I had virtually everybody there in the session. Wow. About a month and they had virtually nothing going on. Okay, and sort of brought me in to say, kind of what do we need to do and where do we need to start? You know, I'm like with you. The policies don't ask me about policies. We got to do first. Right. So, about maybe a month, six weeks later, I get this email from the person who brought me in who said, Oh my God, you would not believe what happened since you have left. First of all, she'd been emailing me, telling me about people's reaction to the day, yeah. right? Which was awesome. But then she said, Since you left in that time frame, we have gone from having nothing to having a diversity board, to having a diversity office, all of which is is being funded now, to having programming. Wow, that's awesome. That's the best feeling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just this, after May 25th, I had a lot of people who, uh, and this is one of the reasons why when I say, you know, I don't like to evaluate it the same way, it's because I live it a different way and I see the impact that it makes. So after May 25th, I get a notice from my development office for my college saying we were contacted by the representative of the 2001 pledge class of a white fraternity who said they wanted to help your research and work. What could they do? So the office told them, well, she actually has she established uh, an endowed scholarship for students who want to do diversity and inclusion work. And they right. said, oh my God, that's awesome. Well, within a two week period, they had submitted donations that were almost $17,000. And the notes that they put in their donations were just too precious for words. They talked about it had been 19 years, right? 19 years. And they said, not only did you impact me, but you impacted my whole family. Now I have a family that I have taught the kind of things that you taught me. That's why for me, evaluating it the same way we might somebody, somebody else's is not the same thing. A lot of it's internal work and it's not going to lend itself. You will feel the difference if you operate on the basis of what 
I've done with you in the time that we're together. Yeah. Go I think the that's one of the reasons why it's kind of hard too, right? Like some organizations will, they, they kind of blow with the wind because it's work that you have to, you reap the benefits of mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. time. You know, for some people, it'll be immediate. They'll walk out and they'll have a totally different, and other people, it'll be another experience and mm-hmm. two experiences. And so it's really quite, quite fascinating to see it. Don, I can talk to you. Broad it is, you know, yeah. why, which is why we have so much work to do. Absolutely. So I could talk to you all day and I wish I could because I just feel like there's so much to learn and you are just so generous with all of your your knowledge. Um, But I can't because the clock has gone out on us. So if we could, I would love to be able to tell people they're already going to get a link to your your TED Talk. But what are the other ways that we can get connected to you? Well, you can go to practicaldiversity.com and hit me up that way. Um, My heart work page has a whole sort of self-guided, self-contained. If people want to do more work, it's got lots of videos. It's a one-stop shop kind of place for them to be able to start doing the work or continue it. It's got corporate stuff. It's got individual stuff. Um, And they can always email me, dawndba at gmail. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure that all that information is in the show notes. And I just want to say you have, you've done heart work with me. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. And thank you for how, I think that's really important. I want you to hear not just what you're doing, but how you were going about doing it. And just thank you for your time today. Thank you for your time and your energy and your invitation. Keep up the good work, girl. You're doing an awesome job. (laughs) Thank you. All right. right. We'll see you all on the next Uplifting Impact uh, show. Really glad that you were able to join us today. There's always more space for more people. So make sure you send out the invitations so that we can get more people on this journey with us because we believe here at Uplifting Impact, the more people we have, really thinking about these issues, working in the space, doing the hard work and opening up their hearts to it, the more impact we can have in the world. So let's do this together. Thank you, everyone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.